We are glad you're here today, and I do want to talk a little bit about pizzazz. Pizzazz. You know, pizzazz is that little extra ump, that kind of want to in life. Anybody got some want to in their life today? And sometimes life can kind of begin to take the want to out of us. And so I want to talk about how to overcome and how to get that want to that God wants all of us to have in our life. Because, see, a lot of the writings of the Scripture compare life, this journey here on earth, as as running a race, like we're in a race. Now, there's some ladies out on the street today running some race here in North Myrtle Beach. If you're online with us, they call it the Diva Run. They're out there running in pink tutus and all kinds of things. And I'll tell you, when I drove in today, some of those poor ladies didn't even look like they were going to finish the race. You know what I'm saying? They needed, they needed some ump, some pizzazz, you know. And again, uh, they, were, they were making it. They were on the journey. They were there. They looked like they could use a little pizzazz. But Scripture compares the, the life journey to, to a race. And I want to read to you a few of the texts of where uh, the Apostle Paul, who is one who wrote much of our New Testament, wrote many letters to the churches, many letters to the churches to inspire the churches to be everything that God had created them to be. And one of those churches was the church at Philippi. And this is what he wrote in, in this particular passage of Philippians 3, verse 14. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race. He wanted to get to the finish line and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is uh, calling us. And so how does he press forward to get to the prize? It's with this thing called pizzazz. Look at your neighbor and say, where's your pizzazz? Go ahead and ask them, where's their pizzazz? He presses with pizzazz. He also writes the church at Corinth, and he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and 25. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? He says, so run to win. Run with pizzazz. He says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. He says, but we do it. We do it for an eternal prize. And so he says, everyone runs, but the one that runs with pizzazz runs to win. And so I want you to turn to your neighbor again and say, where's your pizzazz? Where's your pizzazz? Where's your pizzazz? And then he writes one more time in 2 Timothy, the young Timothy, a a young runner in the in the Christian journey, he was a young preacher, and he reminds Timothy of how he run the race, and then he also is reminding Timothy that, you know what, from this point forward, you need to run the race as, as I ran the race. And this is what he said. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, he says, the time of my death here on earth is near. He was reaching uh, the place where he was about to die. He says, but I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. He says, I have remained faithful. My faith endured. My faith had pizzazz. I ran the race of life like it was on purpose. I was running for something beyond this earth. And he says, I'm at the end, Timothy. He says, and now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. He says, and the prize is not just for me, but it it is for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. And so he says, I am finishing the race because I have run the race of life with great pizzazz. I just want you to know that the Christian life is a journey. And the Christian life requires this thing called a faith. And when you have faith and you put faith and life together, what faith and life do is they develop this thing I'm calling pizzazz. 
Because, see, it takes faith and it takes life in order for your pizzazz to be elevated. In other words, you've got to have a little adversity. Come on, somebody. A little resistance, a little pressure on your faith for your, for your pizzazz to develop and be everything it's supposed to be. So what am I referring to as, as this thing called a pizzazz, the ump, the want to? It's this, this element called endurance. And can I tell you something? You've got to have some endurance if you're going to finish this race called life by faith in this, in this journey with Jesus. Because the Bible says adversity is a coming. But the unique thing is that adversity is the very thing that can build your pizzazz. And so what I'm inviting the church to do today of when adversity strikes, when resistance uh, is put up against you, don't you give up, don't you throw in the towel, don't you quit. You gotta have some pizzazz. And pizzazz is developed. On the journey. Because you know what? It's endurance is developed. Nobody jumps out there and starts running a 26-mile marathon in a race without preparing and building endurance to do it. Because if they have not been running and they haven't been building up their lung power and their heartbeat and their their muscle strength, then, then they won't endure. They'll fail. They'll fall short of the goal. And so the necessary element for all of us to finish and finish well is this thing called endurance. And you know what? Endurance is, is kind of becoming a, a element that, that people don't want to buy into anymore, especially in our, our cush culture. I like the way that sounds. Cush culture. Because, you know, it's all about comfort. It's all about what I want. It's all about, you know what, I don't, I don't need any pressure in my life. Just, just let me lay on the couch and eat some Cheetos and get fat and die. Really? No, no, you need some pizzazz, sir. You need some unction in you at your 63-year-old self. Some, 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 some pizzazz. I'm, I'm telling you, the writers here, they, they write these things not when, they're, not when they're just young and, you know, zealous and powerful. They write these things when they're older. They're going through some things. They're going through some challenges and say, hey, man, I got to the end because I endured, because my endurance was built and I had some pizzazz. I, I, I believe what I believed in my my heart uh, believed because my faith rises up and my faith rises up when my endurance is developed. See, the interesting thing is it's our faith that develops endurance. I think it's James chapter one. The writer there says, whenever, whenever you have faith and your endurance is developed because of your faith and because of life, then you will need nothing, you will lack nothing, and you can run this incredible, incredible race. So the ultimate goal in James chapter 1 isn't faith. The ultimate goal is to have endurance with your faith. And I find that fascinating. A lot of people say, I got faith. But how's your endurance with your faith? Because your faith is to last a lifetime. Your, your faith is to to trump all circumstances and challenges, good or bad, mountaintops or valleys. And so, so how, do we, how do we hang on? Well, Hebrews chapter 12 gives us an example, and I'm going to read through Hebrews chapter 12, but I want you to see the crux of Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 2. It says that there was a, a, a man named Jesus that endured the cross. Look what it says. Because of the joy awaiting him, the prize that he could see on the other side. The Bible says he endured. Everybody say endured. He had some pizzazz. 
He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now the Bible says he is seated in the place of honor of, of besides God's throne. And so you want to be honored in eternity? You want to be, you, know, you want to really have a, a seat at a, a, a table that's worth having a seat at in all eternity? See, a lot of us believe this. We believe that heaven is, is a place where everybody is going to fly around with wings and be angels. A lot of us believe that everybody that goes to heaven is just going to kind of sit around uh, together. And no, no, those that go uh, to heaven are going to go to heaven because of their belief and faith in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. The Bible also says that some of us are going to get in like a man barely escaping the flames and there will be no eternal rewards for us in heaven because we didn't endure with our faith throughout life for those rewards and those honoring at the judgment seat of Christ where Jesus will judge believers, wow, based on their pizzazz. Unbelievers won't even be at this judgment. The Bible speaks of two judgments, the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is the separation of unbelievers and believers. Unbelievers are cast out and then believers will be judged for eternal life, the the eternal kingdom that's called the judgment seat of Christ. And every one of us who are believers in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus will face a judgment. Wow. Not being judged for your sin because Jesus has already paid for your sin, but being judged for how did you do, sir? How was your pizzazz when life came against you? Ma'am, how, how was your pizzazz and your calling? And what did you endure? on the journey called a life uh, for, for my sake and my kingdom because that is what you'll be rewarded for in the eternal kingdom. And, and, and so many people don't talk about these eternal rewards, but, but I need to charge the, the church up today to run the race to win. Like there's a prize at the, at the end of the journey and it's not just heaven, but it's an eternal kingdom, an eternal position, a, an, a, an eternal appointment, an eternal reward for all believers who believe in the finished work of Jesus and run this race with great pizzazz. Well, there's a prize. There's a prize. So in having pizzazz for the prize, I do believe that, that, that uh, Hebrews 12 tells us how to take hold of this thing called pizzazz. Let's look at 13 verses here, beginning with verse 1 in Hebrews 12. The writer says, hey, since you kind of look back at some of these old people in Hebrews 11 that have run uh, this race and run it well, he says, he says, therefore, since we have been surrounded by such a huge crowd of witness to this life of faith, He says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. He says, and let us run. Everybody say run. Run. Speaking to believers, he says, let us run with endurance. Everybody say endurance. Run with pizzazz, the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. The Bible goes on to say, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now you're seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So think of all the hostility he endured for sinful people, and then you won't become weary and give up and throw in the towel. After all, he says, you have not given your lives in the struggle against sin, and you have... And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. In other words, don't run away from home when God gives you a spanking. Nobody likes a spanking. 
But if you understand the heart of the one given the spanking, it changes everything. And I just need you to know today, the rules may say you can't spank your child, but my Bible says that God spanks his children and he disciplines them because he sees pizzazz and he sees purpose in their life. And when you are off course with your purpose, he will get you back on course with a big fat spanking. You ever had a spanking by God? Don't feel good, but it is good because God is good and he's good all the time and his purpose is greater, greater than my thinking. His ways are higher than my ways. He is a good heavenly father and he gives me a spanking so I can have clear direction. Where was I at? I got excited. Oh, here it is. It says, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts. It's his child. As you endure the divine discipline, endure pizzazz, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who has never been disciplined by, his, by its father. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate. You are not really the children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers, this is back in the day now, okay? Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers discipline us for a few years, doing the best they know how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness, his set-apartness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. So if the spanking feel good, I'm just telling you something's wrong. It says it's painful. I'm going to stop again because I think about people say, I'm going to count to three now. And then I'm going to spank you. One, two, three. Oh, no. That's not correction for new direction. I've watched some dog trainers train these animals and give them new direction. And you know, a dog is, can be a rebellious creature. It can be all about me creature. You know what I'm saying? Anybody got a dog that's all about me? I got one. <clears throat> but I've been hanging out with these dog trainers and they say without correction, there is no new direction. And if they want the dog to perform under stress, they put the dog under stress, they correct the dog under stress, and then the dog knows that the owner is for them in stressful situations and lives out whatever they are to live out and what they are trained to do. And I need you to know, sometimes God puts you under stress. So, so, so it can correct us and give us new direction and, and get us some awesome, awesome things. But, but I think sometimes we're like, I'm going to count the three. We think God is up there going, I'm going to count the three. One, two, it's your last chance, Johnny. Three. And, and there's not going to be any discipline. I, I just want you to know God doesn't operate that way. The Bible says God operates underneath his word, his authority, and his great love for you. And if you are about to run in front of the highway and you are nine years old and you are not looking both ways and you're going to run in front of a Mack truck and it is going to take you out, I'm just telling you, God don't count the three. He will tackle you and throw you in the ditch to protect you because you are out of order and you're running in the road. That's discipline. From a heart of love, not a heart of hate. The Bible goes on to say this. 
It's painful, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest for right living for those who are trained in this way. So the writer goes on to say, take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that, so that, everybody say so that. Purpose clause in scripture threads all of scripture. It's always a so that. The reason you run the race with endurance, with pizzazz, is so that those who are weak and lame will not fall and they will become strong too. In other words, you're an example. Do you know that? It's not just about us running the race. It's about us running the race with endurance and pizzazz because when we run the race with endurance and pizzazz, then it begins to, all of those others around us begin that are weak and falling down. They're like, maybe I need some pizzazz. Maybe I need some pizzazz. Maybe I need to run like I believe this thing. Maybe I need to get back up when life punches me in the face. And it begins to train other people how to run after the heavenly prize and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the champion of our faith, who endured the pain of the cross, died a cruel death, rose from the grave, defeated death, and God lifted him to a place of honor. And I just want you to be honored in eternity. Do you want other people to be honored in eternity? Because that's the heart of God. It's not for them just to find eternal life, but have everything eternal life offers them. And my friend, this is why we challenge the church is to rise up in faith, get some pizzazz, endure. Because my friend, make no bones about it, there is more waiting on the other side of this race called life and it's called eternal life and it is going to be amazing. And I don't want you to miss anything. Whether you're male, female, old, no matter what skin color you are, no matter your background, I don't want you to miss anything that eternity holds for you. So I don't believe the writer of Hebrews wanted you to miss anything either. That's why he writes this incredible section of scripture and talks about pizzazz, talks about endurance. Because he's like, man, let's keep on keeping on. You know, sometimes you just need to come to church on the weekend because life has beat the heck out of you. And you need somebody to encourage you in your faith that you have in Jesus and remind you of who our king is and what he endured. And you know what? We're going to make it. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to make it. Tell them we're going to make it. We're going to make it. Mr. Eddie, we're going to make it. Zaz. So again, it is our faith in Jesus Christ, but our faith has to endure. And the way our faith it endures eternal endurance, the pizzazz for the prize, the, the want to is developed. I wrote down just a few quick things. I want to give them to you today. Because I, 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 know, I know some of us are worn down. We're tired. We've got the weight of life on our shoulders. Oh, oh, believe me. I know life comes at me too. I know you think it don't come at, at preachers that hold microphones. But it comes. It comes hard. Can I tell you something? I, I'm just like you. I struggle with sin. I struggle, I struggle with all kinds of things in my life. But I have to let my faith rise up. And I have to get myself out of bed and endure this race called life and the pains of life and the trials of life and the tribulations of life. And I got to have me some pizzazz. I'm just like you. I'm tempted to sit in, in, in a room somewhere, in a dark room somewhere, and stay lonely. To drink my sorrows away. To put pills and shoot things in my veins to make and numb life out. But I gotta tell you today, none of that is the answer. The answer is enduring this life and having some pizzazz and stay in the course and get you somebody around you that can encourage you, motivate you and say, look, that ain't the way. This is the way. Let's run the race. Let's finish well.
pizzazz, 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 pizzazz. So how do we develop pizzazz? I wrote down in my journal, first way is to get me some, some old school role, role models. Not just role models, old school role models. What are you talking about, preacher? Did you, did you get what it said in the passage at Hebrews 12? It says, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that would be the people in Hebrews 11 that have gone before us. Let's be encouraged in this thing called life because they made it. You're going to make it too. It says, look back at them role models in Hebrews 11 and you'll learn how to get some pizzazz. As I go back to Hebrews 11 and I start looking at the role models, you got to go down through, there's a list of names and there's some people don't even have names that's in there and all kinds of things that tells you how they had pizzazz. I just want to cover a few of them today because there is some old school role models. The first one is this, and it's found in Hebrews 11 verse 4. This one is actually one of the brothers that was born to the first man and first woman, Adam and Eve. His name is Abel. Look what it says, Hebrews 11 verse 4. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. So that makes me ask a question. Why was Abel's offering by faith more acceptable than Cain's offering? Because the Bible's getting ready to tell us Cain made an offering too. But see, Abel had pizzazz in making his offering. And Cain didn't. Let let me show you. It goes on to say this. It says... Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. He believed God. He had faith in what God would do. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, it says he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Because his faith had pizzazz. Cain had faith, but his faith didn't have pizzazz. And I want to show you. It's found in Genesis 4. It's where this text is found. 4 verse 2. Let's look at the difference. It says, when the kids grew up, Adam and Eve had both Cain and Abel. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd. And while Cain cultivated the ground, that means uh, Abel looked after the animals. Cain looked after the crops and the farm. They both grew things. And when it was time for the harvest, the Bible says, Cain presented some. Everybody say some. That's the key to the text. Cain Cain presented some of his crops as gifts to the Lord. Abel brought a gift. The best. Everybody say the best. The best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel's gift, Abel and his gifts, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry. And he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin, missing the mark, is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Talked last weekend about the sin nature entering humanity, and it's crouching at everybody's door. But can I tell you, a, a lot of commentators, a lot of theological scholars say that Abel's offering was, was more acceptable to God than Cain's because Abel, Abel's offering, which is correct, was a, a blood offering, and God required blood for an offering. And Cain's offering wasn't. It was a, a grain offering. Though God receives grain offerings throughout, throughout history, and you look at the people of Israel as he told them to bring in offerings, he receives offerings. And though it was a blood offering, you need to pay close attention to, to the way it lays it out in the text. It says that Cain brought some some of, of his, his grain. But it says Abel brought the best and the first of, of what he was responsible for. 
And, and, and see, that's, that's what faith, enduring faith does. It don't know the outcome. It don't wait until the crops come in. It, it, it don't wait. It, it, it don't wait to see what the harvest is going to be and then bring the leftovers and bring some of it as a gift. Oh, God, I got this turkey in the bottom of the refrigerator, and I'm just, it's been there for five years, and I'm going to bring it in as a gift, and I'm going to help some poor, hungry people this Thanksgiving. Well, is that your best? I just got to ask you, is that your best, or is that your leftover? Because God says, bring your best in the house, not some of your leftovers. Come on. And see, leftovers ain't what God's looking for. He is looking for a heart that will endure and believe him in spite of what it has in its hands. Endurance believes God in spite of what it has. Please, God's going to deliver no matter what is going on. Let's continue to look at a couple more of these examples. I may just have time to preach my first point today. Who knows? It's okay, though. Hebrews 11, verse 7. It says, it was by faith, this is another one we all know, that Noah built a large boat His faith endured a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God. He believed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. There were crowds of people, people everywhere, married people, family people, people enjoying life. God says, I'm going to send a flood because no one is enduring and acknowledging who I am, Noah, and I'm going to send a flood, and it ain't even rained on earth at this point in time in history. And Noah believed God. And in spite that it had never happened before, he did it, and it says, by faith, Noah Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. I just want to talk about his pizzazz for a minute because his faith had to endure. Because, do you know, it, it took him a long time to build a boat big enough to put animals on. It took him a long time standing in the face of adversity and all the people like, look at Noah! What the flip is he building that piece of junk out for that piece of wood? They didn't know what a boat was. You don't need a boat. But God had spoke. God was clear. Can you imagine how much ridicule his faith had to endure? How much pizzazz he had to have. And, And walking through the challenges of life as people spoke against what God wanted to do. Oh, some of you have tried to pursue what God said to do. And everything around you says, oh, no, that don't even make sense. That's crazy. You're out of your mind. And I just got to say, if God said it, he will do it. You got to believe in your heart and have pizzazz and endure the pain of ridicule and what other people say against you. If you stand for what God says, and not what all of humanity always says, what the news says, what culture says, but you stand with your faith for what God says. My friend, I got to tell you, you're running the race and you're running it well. It may not feel good right now, but you keep on enduring. You keep on running because there is an eternal life and there is an eternal reward and there is an eternal prize waiting for you on the other side. Don't you give up. Don't you pull over to the side. Don't you stop because they said you keep running this race and run it well and run it to win. Get you some pizzazz. Look at your neighbor and say, let's help the preacher. Where's your pizzazz? Where's your pizzazz? Let me give you one more. Hebrews 11, 
it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused. He was born in Egyptian slavery. He was an Israelite. Moses was born, and they had said, kill all the babies that are born to the Israelites. Moses was salvaged, in case you don't know the story. Uh, uh, each Egyptian, uh, basically princess, found him floating down a river and says, I'm going to take him into my household. And, he, and she raised him up, but it says this, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose. Everybody say, chose. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He made a choice. It says, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasure of Egypt. But what it says, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. I find that fascinating. Because, see, Moses elevated his eyes above the treasures of the earth. And he knew that God had called the Hebrew people out and he knew that God had called the Hebrew people out. He was going to take them into a promised land. God had spoken and he believed it with all of his heart. And though the, the Pharaoh and the king had all the gold, silver, girls, glory, all, all of that, Egypt was, was sparkling and dazzling. The Bible says, hold on. But Moses says, I'm on a journey. God has a purpose for my life. And it is to lead this oppressed group of people out of slavery and bondage into a land flowing with milk and honey. And I'm looking forward to the reward, not of the promised land, but I'm going to do my assignment and I'm going to choose to do my assignment over the comforts of life and Egypt and the gold and the glory and all of these things. Not that those things were bad, but he says, I'm going to choose to follow through with what God has assigned me to do and I will endure because I got pizzazz and the reason I got pizzazz and I'm enduring with my faith is because I'm looking forward to the great reward that is out in front of me. Come on somebody this is preaching this is great preaching somebody ought to get up today and say man whoa you go home and say honey get off the couch because I got some pizzazz Like, what you talking about? Just watch. Hebrews 11, verses 33 and 34. Watch this. It says, by faith, these people, lots of these people in this passage, they overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched flames of fire. Escaped death by the edge of the sword. That's dangerous living. I'm just going ahead and telling you. It says, their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in the battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. Check this out. It says, but others were tortured. Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They place their hope in a better life after the resurrection. So what was their hope in? It wasn't what this journey offers. It was what eternity offers. And it says their hope was in the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats and I didn't have time to study all that. Destitute and oppressed and mistreated. That just sounds horrible. It says they were, well, they were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground, all the people earned good reputations because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. See, I, I find that fascinating. 
these were people that endured. They had pizzazz, even to the point of death, many of them, cruel death. And they were tortured. But, but the Bible says that, you know what, they, they ran the race not, not getting the prize yet because their faith and their endurance was so strong and, and God didn't deliver too early in the game because God is all-knowing, all-powerful and everywhere at one time. And so he didn't want to deliver them too early because he saw us in 2018 sitting down here at Barefoot Church and he needed us to know that he was going to send a Savior and that Savior has already come and his name is Jesus and he's resurrected from a grave and his power, the power of God lifted him out of a grave and God didn't want to deliver too early and God ain't going to deliver on your life too early either because there is somebody else that needs to see your pizzazz and see your want to and see your ump and come into the kingdom because my Bible says that my God wishes no man, no woman to perish and the way that they're going to come to know Jesus is with our pizzazz. Stay in the game. Don't you quit. Don't you pull over to the side. Don't you give up. Don't you grow weary. Keep your pizzazz. Develop your endurance. I wrote this down in my journal. Shake it off. It says strip off the sin that so easily entangles you. Shake it off. Shake it off. Tell your neighbor, shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. That was my second point, but I'm going to move quick. The third one is this. It's focus. Look at your neighbor and say, focus, 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 focus. Set your eyes on Jesus, the one that bared the cross, the champion of our faith. He endured, man. He endured. We haven't given our life for sin yet. None of us are the savior of the world. And can I tell you something? He endured the sin of humanity, my sin and your sin, because he was so great in love with you. You just need to focus for a minute. He didn't give his life for people who loved him. He gave his life for people who were rebelling and didn't, wasn't cheering him on and, and saying, you know what, uh, they were far from God. They wasn't all excited about Jesus and all this kind of stuff. He gave his life for people while we were yet sinners running away from God. He endured the pain of the cross so you would know his amazing power and his incredible love. You need to focus, man. Focus, focus, focus. Focus. And lastly, I wrote this, don't despise discipline. Don't despise discipline. Come on, I'm not talking about self-discipline where you discipline yourself in the gym and all that kind of stuff to make your muscles look big like mine. I'm talking about the kind of discipline that your heavenly father lavishes on you. Don't you give up on him because that discipline shows that he hasn't given up on you. And I told my wife about a week or two ago, I said, dude, I wish I'd hurry up and learn what God wants me to learn because I'm tired of him wearing my rear end out. I listened to a message this week by Bishop T.D. Jakes. And he said something of this flavor. He said that God would whip out of you and beat out of you what he can't teach out of you. He cares that much for you. He says, this is what the threshing floor that David went to was all about. Was a threshing floor was where you beat the husk in the outside off the kernels of the wheat so the wheat could fall through the floor and produce something great. And he says, King David had to go to the threshing floor 
because of his disobedience and divine discipline come against all of Israel because of his disobedience. And God had to take him to a threshing floor to beat something out of him that he couldn't teach out of him. And that divine discipline is what elevated him to greatness. See, I don't need you to despise discipline because the discipline that comes from the Lord is simply because of his great love. It says this, no discipline is enjoyable when it is happening. It is painful, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. I find this fascinating because true love, true care, True discipline comes from the God of the universe whenever whenever he gives us a spanking. Y'all can turn the music on back here behind me. Be awesome. Some of you say, why does he want that? I need you to know everything is about environment everything is about your heart being receptive to what God wants to do the Bible talks about King David the same one who was suppressed that that he was a harpist And, and he was a harpist for the former king his name was Saul and and when things need to be executed, they would always call a harpist in. Jill's my harpist. And I just need you to know that matters. Setting that tone matters. That's not just a program in the service. It's setting your heart to receive what God wants to do in your life. It's to let you know that this flow, this music, this thing, I'm preaching a whole different sermon right now, is is setting up for God to do the amazing in your life. My friend, what you're feeling right now ain't a pastor speaking. It's, It's the God of the universe speaking in a pastor, through a pastor, and a pastor to live in you what the Word of God says and wants to do in your heart and do in your life. And I stand on the authority of God's word and in complete authority on this stage. And I'm calling you out and I'm telling you that you need to have divine endurance. I believe the word of God. I believe in you. And I'm trying to make a connection to your heart today. of life is tough my friend we need to elevate ourselves and get some endurance and keep pressing forward God is calling some of you off the sidelines you've been sitting way too long saying you've been sulking way too long recognize today the place you're in Maybe the very hand of God on your life. Say, I'm giving you a spanking, girlfriend. I'm giving you a spanking, young man, sir. So you'll learn who I am. We can beat that old thing off of you, put that new thing in you. And you can rise up and become everything I've created you to be. Our God is amazing. Our God is loving. Our God is caring. Our God cares about your soul and where you are going a whole lot more than he cares about the comforts of our life. And I need you to know, man, God blesses those of us who trust him and walk with him and believe in him. And he does do what he says he's going to do. But you need to understand the blessings are always lavished in our life so we can give the rest of the world exposure to the one that has blessed our life. I'm enduring and I'm standing today, not simply because I'm mighty and I'm incredible and I'm phenomenal. I'm enduring because I believe he is phenomenal. And I do believe he's resurrected from a grave. And if most of the population 
had rejected him when he hung on a cross, I got to believe that most of the population is going to reject what God is doing today. However, my friend, I do also believe that the power of the resurrection drew people in. And I believe when we can endure our own cross and pick up our own cross and endure this life, that it has the power to draw other people in. Don't you give up. Don't you pull over to the side. God is at work in your life. And again, find some encouragement to some people around you to inspire your faith and give you some pizzazz. Look at your neighbor and say, you got any pizzazz? Ask them, say, you got some pizzazz. Let me pray for you. God, you're an amazing God. And today, God, I pray for pizzazz. I pray, God, that you would give us the endurance to run the race called life. God, you're so in love with us, you gave your one and only son on a cross to forgive us of our sin. God, though we have all gone our own way, I pray today that we would push that sin missing the mark to the side. We would strip it off, the thing that weighs us down, and we would run the race of life with great endurance and move forward. God, may we never take our eyes off the champion of our faith, the one who started it, the one who perfects it, the one who builds it up, and his name is Jesus. God, we meet here on his behalf today because of what he's done in many of our lives. God, if there is a person today that's wondering, that it's fallen, and they feel like they can't get back up, God, I pray by some way your spirit would move and invade their chair right now. And God, you would help their faith rise up. God, you begin to give them a mustard seed of faith so that they can have the endurance to get back up and run the race and look to eternity. You say, how do I, how do I access this great God and his voice and his spirit that wants to speak into me? My friend, he's hovering all around this room right now. But what he wants to do is come to your chair. No matter who you are, he wants to speak to your heart. Just say, God, I'm tired of doing life by myself. Today, I need you, God. I need to put my ways to the side, and I need to pick up your ways. Tell God today, you believe in the one who is a champion of life, who resurrected from a grave, and his name is Jesus. Tell God right now, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. And thank you for the Holy Spirit that is coming into your heart right now. My friend, I want you to know today the Holy Spirit of God, the third person in the Trinity, if you just ask God and you surrender your life to what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection, you believe it in your heart, the Holy Spirit of God just came into your life. And my friend, the Holy Spirit of God is a coach, a teacher, a counselor, and will lead you on the journey every step of the way. I'm going to invite you to pay attention, listen to his discipline, listen to his correction. But if you said that prayer today and you meant it with all of your heart and this is your time to enter the kingdom of God, I want to say welcome to the family. The name of Jesus is a beautiful name. It is a powerful name. It is a name above all names. And I'm going to ask that you stand to your feet today. And Jesus, we pray this prayer in your name. Oh, what a beautiful name it is. Oh, what a powerful name it is. Yeah.